The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to I Took the High Road with Jacob Jansen. Our program is designed to educate about the drug problems that are reaching epidemic proportions in the United States. Could we be approaching the drug problem the wrong way? Mr. Jansen has been down the road of addiction, down the path of recovery, and now helps others find their path. Addicts are not bad people trying to get good. They are sick people needing to get well. Are you a part of the solution or the problem? Come and join us for an hour of fantastic guests, amazing stories, positive encouragement, and information that just might make your community a better place. Now, here is your host, Jacob Jensen. Hello and welcome to I Took the High Road. I am your host, Jacob Jansen, and today's show is the family dynamics of addiction, such an important piece that we uh, often forget when I do interventions with the family. So much focuses on the individual that the family doesn't realize that they need to take care of themselves too to give the uh, individual the best success and the best shot at a healthy recovery. So today's guests on the show, we have Beverly Buncher. Uh, she's a family recovery life coach and CEO and owner of Family Recovery Resources, formerly a teacher and school principal. Now her passion is for helping families. Uh, she's the author of two ebooks, uh, Reflect Reality with the Four Cornerstones of Family Recovery and Stand Strong on the Foundations of Family Recovery. She is recognized as a professional certified coach by the ICF, which is the International Coaching Federation, and a master recovery life coach by Recovery Coaches International. She's also a certified True Purpose coach through True Purpose Institute and recently dubbed the leading family recovery coach in the nation. Beverly Buncher, Thank you for being on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Jacob. So can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your background and why you do what you do today? Well, that's a good question. Um, I am a person who's been related to people struggling with drugs and alcohol and about um, 30, 31 years ago when people in my family were struggling, I found Al-Anon, and I got a tremendous amount of help there. But I noticed when I got married that a lot of people were leaving their spouses if their spouses weren't sober or, you know, were struggling. And I didn't want to do that. I was a newlywed. Yes, my spouse was struggling, but I was in love, and I loved my mm -hmm. husband, and I wanted to stick around. And so I figured the original people who started Al-Anon, they weren't leaving so fast. 
Yes, it was a different economic time, a different societal time, but they found solutions that allowed them to stay and have a good life with their spouse and to help their spouse get and stay sober. So I studied those. I made a study of that. I made a study of the research. And I found a way to um, live differently. Once I really got it, my spouse got sober within a few months. And he always attributed it to me. I never took credit. I still don't. But I do know that I contributed to his readiness and his willingness to get and stay in recovery. And so that's what I help families do today. And for me in my early recovery, NA uh, was a big part of my recovery for about the first two years. It was really an opportunity to be able to relate to other people, um, hear that I wasn't alone and going through some of the things. Al-Anon is really that component for family members. Um, can you speak a little bit about what is Al-Anon for those that don't know and how did it help you? Yes. You know, Al-Anon um, is a program for family members using the same 12 steps of recovery used in Alcoholics Anonymous. And as I said, the early Al-Anoners were the wives of the original AAs. And they found that those same steps that were helping their husbands to gain a footing in, in life again could also help them to have a life of serenity and sanity. And so they used them. And uh, I started to do the same thing. And it helped me to get serene, to get my life back. Sure, you know, and it's it's such an odd concept, but one that needs to be, you know, explained to families quite often when they do the interventions that, you know, yes, we're doing it for the individual, but the interventions are for families. So is Al-Anon. Why, why is it important for those families to be a part of something like that? It's important for families to understand their role in their loved one's addiction and recovery. In Al-Anon, when I started, they talked about four C's. You didn't cause your loved one's addiction. You can't control it. You can't cure it. But you do not have to contribute to it. I held on to that fourth C like it was a life raft. And I figured out what, how, what makes me contribute to the addiction and how can I contribute to the recovery. Unfortunately, most Al-Anon meetings I go to today, the fourth C is gone. It's just the three Cs. You didn't cause it. You can't control it. You can't cure it. But still the idea of getting your life back as a form of helping your loved one lives on. Um, what what I think is also important is to know that it's more than just getting your life back that helps your loved one. It's also how you communicate with them, how you live in the relationship, and that you can be an advocate for their recovery yep. and make and a difference. One of, one of the phrases that I really, you know, have loved is that uh, when we try and change ourselves and realize how difficult it is, we realize how little a chance we have at changing something else uh, or someone else. And Al-Anon uh, is kind of really that support group that can help families change them, you know, th yourself instead absolutely, of trying to change Absolutely, absolutely. And in Naranon, I love the way they say it, in Naranon. My only myself can I change. Others I can only love. 
Yeah. So that's really the foundation of Al-Anon and Naranon. And Naranon for the self, for and, the betterment of the self and family. And Naranon, for those of you that don't know, is uh, just like Al-Anon. Al-Anon is more alcohol component. Naranon is narcotics component for different family members. Um, Bev, if somebody wanted to find more info on Naranon or Al-Anon, where would they go to do that? Okay, so here's what you need to know. No matter where you live, you can connect with Al-Anon. They have in-person meetings, and you go to alanon.org, or you can call the Al-Anon World Services, which is located, I believe, at least it used to be either in Cal- in New York, I think. You can look that up. And it's There's also so- Al-Anon phone meetings from 8 in the morning till midnight, almost every day of the week. And to find those, you go to alanonphonemeetings.org. Those can be a real lifesaver if you live far from everyone else. And, and, and I encourage families to go out and definitely try that. Um, if you don't try new things, nothing will change. If nothing changes, nothing right. changes. That's so. right. That's right. So here's the thing. I started doing this work because there were people who said, Alanon isn't for me. I they I go to a meeting, they're talking about themselves. What is going on here? I need to help my loved one. So I really prayed about it because at first when I was coaching, I told everybody, just go to Al-Anon and we'll do our work. People wouldn't go. So I developed principles in line with the steps and other and, and good recovery research. And oftentimes my clients will work with me and graduate into Al-Anon where okay. they're then ready to help others, or they, people who are in Al-Anon will come to me for the component that they feel is missing there. Yeah, and I want to change gears a little bit and, and talk about two real you know, important issues that uh, people go to Al-Anon to take care of. Um, the first is you know, uh, a term called codependent. Can you explain what does codependency mean and how it really contributes to the illness of addiction? Yes. Codependency is being dependent on another person for your identity, for your happiness, for your peace of mind, that you are so wrapped up in their life that you get lost. Recovery from codependency is regaining yourself and getting your life back. We like to call it co-addiction, co-alcoholism, but it's all the same. Mm-hmm. When you're caught up in someone's life to such an extent that your obsession about them clouds over any sense of self or ability to build a life for yourself, you need to look at that. Yep, and and I often see that, you know, uh, and they say addiction is a family disease, and it is very, very true that. And when I do interventions, a lot of time, uh, the family sometimes wants it more than the individual, and when that happens, it's not going to work. The family has to want it for themselves, and then they can make that happen. They can make those healthy changes, set the healthy boundaries. Absolutely, uh, absolutely, and part of being an advocate for a loved one's recovery is being willing to detach from the emotion and the drama and make positive decisions that will impact your loved one in a positive way. There's no guarantee a loved one will get well when you put recovery principles into practice. There is a guarantee that you will get well and they have a much better chance of it. The the other term 
that I wanted to speak about was enabling. And we hear this term enabling. What is enabling and how is it different than supporting somebody in their recovery? Yeah, this is really important. So enabling is when you do things that help another person to drink or drug. Now, you might say, why would anyone do something to help their loved one drink and drug? Really enabling is fulfilling an inner need, an inner need of the enabler to be loved, to be accepted, to please the other person, and an inner fear that if I do something that they don't want, they won't love me anymore. I'm not good enough to do that. I'm not strong enough to do that. So when you enable a loved one, and I'm, I'm sorry to say this, folks, but here's the truth. When you enable you may be contributing to the demise of your loved one. In other words, you're helping to kill them. So that's a really intense statement to make. I I remember and I can relate to some of my friends when I was getting clean and going through um, the opiate withdrawals and uh, going through my treatment and things. And I remember people calling and saying, hey, can you help me? Can you, you get this for me? And I had to distance myself and say, I need to take care of myself right now. I'm sorry, but I can't focus on you. Uh, you know, and it was only when I finally got healthy that I could kind of extend some help to other people going through this issue. Absolutely. You know, there's another term that really is important when we're talking about enabling, when we're talking about self-care. One of the things that happens in a, in a family is denial. Denial means pretending that everything's okay, that nothing's wrong. Seeing somebody lie drunk on the floor and walking over them or putting them to bed and never bringing it up again, you know, putting them to bed at night, pretending it didn't happen. Um, Denial has a million different forms, and here's what I need your listeners to know. Denial, what we say in the balm is, denial is the linchpin of the addictive system. When there's denial in place, everything stays the same. When you pull out that pin, when denial ends on the part of the family member, the addict can no longer lie to the family member. The addict needs to lie to the family member in order to, and have the family member say, oh, okay, in order to be able to continue lying to themselves. So when an addict lies to you and you say, I'm sorry, but that's not what I saw. That's not Mm -hmm. what I see happening. And you share the facts with them in a loving, gentle way without being able to be convinced. You're pulling out the linchpin of denial and you're beginning the recovery process in yourself and in your loved one. You know, and, and I think, you know, just it's triggering all kinds of memories as, as I think back to my usage and the denial that I had a problem, but also the denial that my family members knew when actually they really did know something was happening, but didn't know how to approach it the right way or, or help me the right, right. way. Right. You know, I hear this line again and again. It's really important for me to believe my loved one. It's really important for me to believe that this isn't happening. Yep. What, what it, you need to know is if it's really important for you to believe the fantasy that your loved one does not have a problem, it will eventually hit you in the face. Yep. So you might want to take a nice deep breath and get some help so that you can slowly or quickly get to the facts. 
Well, I think it hits the attic right in the face too. Eventually, if if they yeah. continue down that yeah. path and and don't get help, right, uh, right. What are some of the common mistakes that loved ones make when dealing with an addicted individual? Well, we talked about some of them. We talked about Mm -hmm. pretending that things aren't happening, Mm -hmm. being more caught up in your own needs, and thinking that that what's really going on is you're helping them when you do things like bail them out of jail, give them money, allow them to not work, and you support them when you know on some level that they're going to use the money that you give them for drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime you do something that helps someone use, okay? Another thing is nagging, begging, pleading. These things do not work. If they worked, everybody would be sober. Can you relate to that, Jacob? Yeah, oh, absolutely. The nagging, the trying to get clean. I, I also just wanted to mention, though, I have to say, jail didn't help me get clean at all either, though. When you, mm-hmm. you talk about bailing people out, I, I know that uh, that was not treatment for me. That was certainly punishment right, also. Right. But, but so I do understand. What we recommend to families is if you are going to help a loved one who's facing jail, get a lawyer to or a court advocate to get them into treatment, mm-hmm. to get them yes. to an intervention. But don't bail them out and let them go back on the street and use at your expense. That's Absolutely. a mistake. Yep, and, and I, I can completely relate to that. I've had family members who said my individual, you know, my loved one is in jail. Uh, we don't know what to do, and it's really about preparing them for when they do get out. So treatment is in place, and they can have a good shot at a healthy recovery. Um, and with that note, we got to take a quick commercial break from our sponsors, but when we come back, we'll talk more about the family dynamics of addiction with Beverly Buncher. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Hi, my name is Jacob Jansen, and I am the owner of My Recovery Project. Do you know someone using drugs or alcohol? Are their actions negatively affecting you or people you care about? If so, it is time for an intervention. Far too often, we are a country that acts after problems arise. It is time to act now. Interventions confront a person and allow them to see their self-destructive behavior and how it affects themselves, family, and friends. Just as important, interventions help the family understand the disease of addiction and make sure the loved one gets the help they need by offering a solution of treatment. I have been through the hell of addiction, and I have found a passion in recovery helping others. Getting a person into treatment can be a difficult task. I help the family through this providing options, and I become a mediator during the intervention. If you would like more information, please visit www.myrecoveryproject.com or call 262-290-1072 for a free consultation before things get worse. My name is Linda Lenz. Last year, my husband and I received a phone call that no parent should ever receive. We received a call that our 23-year-old son had died of a heroin overdose. We were on a mission to find out how this could happen. He was a beautiful person, intelligent, a straight-A student, and a wonderful son. But here's what we did not know. The drug landscape had changed. Kids in junior high and high school were using prescription pills to get high. Prescription pills are opiates, just like heroin, and they can be found in almost every home's medicine cabinet. 
combat this problem, we established a Facebook page, Stop Heroin WI, and a website, StopHeroinNow.org. Please go to this website and donate generously. All of your money goes directly to prevention programs and rehabilitation programs. StopHeroinNow.org. So no parent ever has to receive that phone call. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email at jacobjansen at itookthehighroad.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. This is I Took the High Road, and I am Jacob Jansen. Today's show is The Family Dynamics of Addiction with Beverly Buncher. And before the break, uh, we were talking about a few terms, codependency, enabling. Um, and coming back into the break, uh, or the show, the first question I want to ask you again is, how did family recovery resources start? It takes a lot. You know, you were in Al-Anon to make that jump to say my program is working, but now I want to help others. So what, you know, uh, perpetuated that jump? It's a good question. Well, I was a school principal for many years, and whenever there were, I was a teacher first, and whenever there were families where there were emotional issues with the kids or experimentation, I really gravitated toward those families and toward those kids, trying to help them make changes, positive changes in their lives. When I became ready to retire from the education field, I was looking for a new career, and I decided to be a coach. And everyone said, oh, you'll be a leadership coach. And I said, I don't think so. And when I went within, I felt called to work with the families of addicts. And that's how this business was started, we, when we realized that we were so much more than a coaching business, that we had classes and, um, and coaching groups and all kinds of things for families, we started to call ourselves Family Recovery Resources. We have uh, free information, we have audios, and then we have courses and classes that people subscribe to and become a part of. So Family Recovery Resources started when we realized the great need and decided that we would help fill it. And I'm a coach also, and you know I went through Crossroads Recovery Coaching School. Uh, and uh, as a recovery life coach, I really love what I'm doing and helping people move forward. I, I love working with the individuals. Uh, there's a term, true purpose coach. What is a true purpose coach? I've never heard that term before. Yeah, so... I had been a coach for a few months, and I was trying to figure out what what is my thing. Am I going to be education? Am I going to work in recovery? And someone told me about True Purpose Coaching, and I took I, I got into that, and I found my life purpose in great detail 
in very great detail. And it really mapped out my entire career and how I was to help people. And I was so impressed with the process, I became a certified True Purpose Coach. There are only about 30 of us, I think, in the world. And True Purpose Coaching is a form of indirect and direct life purpose exploration that can result in very detailed understanding of what exactly the contribution is that you are meant to make in the world. It's very powerful. It is something that I do with people. And I call my version of it for the, for people in recovery, life purpose in recovery. And that was through the True Purpose Institute. Do you know off the top of your head if, if people wanted to find that what the website would be? I, I don't know, but I do know there's a great book. Okay. Uh, it's called True Purpose, Finding the, Con- the Contribution You're Meant to Make in the World. It's written by Tim Kelly. Now, you have two ebooks I mentioned in the intro. Uh, the first, Reflect Reality with the Four Cornerstones of Family Recovery. What does reflect reality mean, and what are the four cornerstones of family recovery? Beautiful question. You know, our, um, our signature in family recovery resources is be a loving mirror. Being a loving mirror means to speak truth, share facts in a loving way that reflects reality. And we have a process, a seven-step process that people go through. The book Reflect Reality is all about the four uh, cornerstones which are really attitudinal changes that one can make within themselves to better understand recovery so that they and addiction so that they can be that clear mirror for their loved one. And the four cornerstones are cornerstone number one is understand your role in your loved one's addiction. And we have seven C's to understand your role. The first one is the first four from Alamon and they are you didn't cause it, you can't control it, you cannot cure it. The fourth one, Alanon says, but you don't have to contribute to it. And we say, you can contribute to the recovery. The fifth C is, you are connected to your loved one on a level that's much deeper than their addiction. And we put that one in because so many people say, everyone says I should leave. Everyone says I should get away. But the fact is that when you love someone who's using or drinking, you love the person deep within. Mm-hmm. And so we acknowledge that. We acknowledge the transcendental nature of the relationship. The sixth C is you can learn to communicate effectively with your loved one. And the seventh C is you are always at choice. So that's the first cornerstone, epitomized by the seven C's. The second cornerstone is all about how change happens And the cornerstone is that change happens in stages. We've adopted the change model of Dr. Prochaska, James Prochaska. And there are six stages of change in his model. And they explain how anyone can change a habit of any type. You can find out more about that in his book on Changing for Good. It's called Changing for Good. It's a good book, uh, by the way. Revolutionary yeah. six 
stage model. This is James Prochaska's book on the stages of change. Also, if you send me an email, I'll be happy to send you my little article on it. And sure. we can talk about that at the end. What's your... You, do you, are you talking to me or the listeners? And if you'd like that article, send me a little note with a thinking about change article and inside say, Bev, I heard you on Jacob's show. Could you please send me a copy of your thinking about change article? I'll be happy to share it with you. And the third C is breathe through each moment. Mindfulness is an evidence-based practice, which means that it's been shown through research to help people get and stay sober, to help family members get and stay sane. And so we teach a variety of conscious breathing practices to our families so that they can become that peace. Before you go to four, I have to say, I know my mom's out there smiling because one of her favorite phrases is just breathe. So I'm sure she loves that cornerstone. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> I, I have clients who ask me to please send them a daily text that all that it says is, are you breathing? Yeah. <laughs> and I do that. It's one of my accountability offers for my clients. And the fourth C is you are your loved one's best chance at recovery. Research shows, as we said before, when the family gets well, the addict has a much better chance of getting well. And so we teach families how they can be their loved one's best chance at recovery. Yeah, you know, and that is so odd, because, you know, and, and so um, out-of-the-box thinking that I think so many people are going, wait, the addict is the addict's best shot at recovery. They're their best shot at recovery, but it really is a family disease. It is. It absolutely is. So I had one of the top researchers in addiction. You may have heard of him, Dr. John Kelly, on the sh- on my show, The sure. Daily Balm, which is on every Wednesday night for people enrolled in the program. And he, we talked about this idea of the family being the best chance. And he said the two things that are the best chance are, first, the addict being involved in peer mutual support, and second, the family being in recovery and also getting support and giving loving support. Uh, Jack Maroney, the director of Spring Hill Recovery Center in Massachusetts, came on the program and talked about how what they're finding anecdotally really matches up with the research, which is that loving family support is one of the greatest indicators of being able to get sober and stay sober long term. So, you know, and we find it in FRR. And so we don't teach people to leave. We don't say, you got a problem with a loved one's addiction? Get the hell out. Sorry mm-hmm. for using the, a four-letter okay. word. But it's really, okay. I mean, people want out. And you can understand that. And sometimes there comes a time to leave for a while. And mm-hmm. sometimes for your own safety, you have to leave altogether. But a lot of times, there's a lot you can be doing to help yourself and your loved one that you just don't know about. So before when I talked about how people, you know, wouldn't go to Al-Anon, I wanted to develop a program where we could teach them those things. We call it a fast track to family recovery. Hmm. And the four cornerstones are the beginning of that fast track. 
you you also have a second ebook called Stand Strong on the Four Foundations of Family Recovery. What are the four foundations of family recovery? So these are were the different? first four principles that I started to teach families, and they are self care. And we, the way we call the way we say it is get your focus off your loved one and on yourself. The second one, and, and we have. In that chapter and in our course, we have surveys, we have checklists to help you figure out where are you in your self-care. You would be surprised at how many family members haven't gone to a dentist in years, haven't had a physical in years, have let themselves go in a myriad of ways. Mm -hmm. And they start to get into family recovery through the balm and Al-Anon and other methods, and they start to take care of themselves again. That's the first principle of Stand Strong. The Just second, like you see it. Foundation in recovery. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just like you see uh, addicted individuals go through that change, you know, through the detox and treatment, they also realize that they need to start taking care of themselves. That's right. And the when the loved one does it before, when the family member does it before the loved one gets sober, it inspires them. Yeah. So we don't do things because we know it's going to change the addict because we Mm -hmm. don't know that. There's no guarantee, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, when we do these loving, wonderful, recovery-oriented behaviors, it does have an impact. So the second foundation is how to, is uh, you can be a loving person. And what does it mean to be a loving person? It doesn't mean to enable. It doesn't mean to do things for the person they can do for themselves. And so in that chapter, we talk all about what it does mean and we help our readers develop a plan for that. The third foundation is you can set boundaries, but only do that if you're going to stick to them. If you set a boundary and then you break it, what you're teaching your addicted loved one, hear this one, everybody, is that you are breakable, that they can get around you, that they can manipulate you. And all of us who are related to addicted loved ones have gone through this, so there's no judgment here at all. <laughs> yeah, very, very you know? similar in the the interventions that I do. You know, the, the, we talk about how we're going to support them if they make the right choices, but there's also ultimatums if they really make the wrong ones, and those ultimatums have to be enforceable for each right. and every member of the family because right. if they're not, it undermines everything else that everybody else is doing with the ultimatums. Absolutely. So. And that's why we try to include the, we offer the entire family to be included in the BALM program, not just the mom or just the dad, but the sister and the brother. And if there's an enabling grandmother, we invite them all to be part of the process. And I'm sure you do too, because Mm -hmm. if they're not, if there's a weak link in the chain, the addicted loved one will find it. So, keep going, sorry. Do you know the fourth one? Yep. Okay. What's the fourth? The fourth one is get support. And in this chapter on getting support and this principle, I always say this should have been the first one because without support, all the rest are very difficult to do. But a lot of people are resistant to getting support. So we have these other chapters first. So you see, wow, this is hard. And then we say, okay, having a tough time? Here are all the different ways to get support. And we list lots of different 12-step groups and all different kinds of ways that you can get support in your family recovery. 
Sure, you know, and there are all different types of sport uh, support out there. Um, the the balm being one daily, you know, the recovery um, programs that are out there. AA or Al-Anon and Naranon. Are there any others that you're familiar with? Yes, for it. You know, a big thing that's coming out now is how many people are sex addicts. Mm-hmm. Sex and love addiction is a growing problem, and it's gaining. Uh, a lot more people are seeing it in their loved ones and in their loved ones who are recovering from drugs and alcohol because addiction switching is very common. So for the family members, there's S-Anon, S-Anon.org. They have phone meetings and in-person meetings, a fabulous choice for families affected by a loved one's sex addiction, although Al-Anon is still great for anyone affected by a loved one's addiction in any area because the principles are still the same. Yeah, and I and I know with myself, I have to uh, for re- recovery for me is about finding balance. Um, you know, I, it's very easy to switch from a substance addiction to a process addiction, like overworking, overeating, overexercising, um, you know, sexual behavior, things like that, gambling. Uh, yeah. I see it a lot, and it's really about finding balance. Absolutely. We had Michael Burke, who is an expert in gambling addiction, unfortunately, from his own experience. And he's written a book called Never Enough. He goes all over the country talking about gambling addiction. He was a drug and alcohol counselor and with a lot of years of recovery. But and little by little, he grew a gambling addiction that eventually wiped his family and his family business out completely. And, you know, gambling is insidious, it's very secretive, and it can be kept a secret for a very long time. You know, and, but I think the the people that go through this, you know, myself with, you know, an IV heroin addiction, your, yourself with uh, going through addiction in the family, uh, the person you just talked about going through the gambling behavior, it's, it's through those trials and tribulations that sometimes we find a better path out of it can really help others find that path out too. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So and, I'm sorry, go so ahead. with you. <laughs> yeah, and one one of the things uh, uh, that I love to say is uh, when you talk about getting support and in, in people around you that um, addiction lives in the shadows. Recovery mm-hmm. demands exposure. You know, we have to love talk it. about this. We have to tell people about that. And on that note, we have to take a quick commercial break from our sponsors. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about the family dynamics of addiction with Beverly Buncher. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. My name is Linda Lenz. Last year, my husband and I received a phone call that no parent should ever receive. We received a call that our 23-year-old son had died of a heroin overdose. We were on a mission to find out how this could happen. He was a beautiful person, intelligent, a straight-A student, and a wonderful son. But here's what we did not know. The drug landscape had changed. Kids in junior high and high school were using prescription pills to get high. Prescription pills are opiates, just like heroin, and they can be found in almost every home's medicine cabinet. To combat this problem, we established a Facebook page, Stop Heroin WI, and a website, StopHeroinNow.org. Please go to this website and donate generously. 
All of your money goes directly to prevention programs and rehabilitation programs. StopHeroinNow.org So no parent ever has to receive that phone call. Hi, my name is Jacob Jansen, and I am the owner of My Recovery Project. Do you know someone using drugs or alcohol? Are their actions negatively affecting you or people you care about? If so, it is time for an intervention. Far too often, we are a country that acts after problems arise. It is time to act now. Interventions confront a person and allow them to see their self-destructive behavior and how it affects themselves, family, and friends. Just as important, interventions help the family understand the disease of addiction and make sure the loved one gets the help they need by offering a solution of treatment. I have been through the hell of addiction, and I have found a passion in recovery helping others. Getting a person into treatment can be a difficult task. I help the family through this providing options, and I become a mediator during the intervention. If you would like more information, please visit www.myrecoveryproject.com or call 262-290-1072 for a free consultation before things get worse. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email at jacobjansen at itookthehighroad.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to I Took the High Road. I am your host, Jacob Jansen, and today's show is on the family dynamics of addiction with Beverly Buncher. Before the break, we were talking about the four cornerstones of family recovery and the four foundations of family recovery. Now, uh, Bev, you have a program called The Daily Balm. What is The Daily Balm? The Daily Balm is a one year comprehensive family recovery education program that includes a weekly live call that families come onto and hear experts and recovering addicts and recovering family members and participate in discussions. And that takes place, I'd say, about 43 to 48 weeks a year live. Plus, there's an, a growing archive of, at this point, over 100 recorded lessons, discussions, be a loving mirror demonstrations, recovering addicts, recovering family members, and experts that our families can access 24-7. A new family signed up last night, for instance, and we immediately got them onto the balm. They were in a crisis, but, you know, there wasn't anything they could do for their loved one, but they were in an internal crisis, and this allowed them to bring the temperature down by really studying addiction and recovery from the perspective of the family's role and what they can do. And uh, it's, a powerful, it's a powerful course that really helps families figure out their place in this family disease called recovery and how to maximize their effectiveness in their own life and that of their loved ones and their family members. 
Yeah. And, and uh, I was a part of the Daily Bomb, the Ask an Addict. I really enjoyed doing that. Uh, there was different uh, family members that could talk to somebody, an addict in recovery, about what they went through. I got to tell a little bit about my life story. They really got to ask questions on how I made it out of my cycle and what I needed. So, You were a great guest. Thank, thank you very much. one of the reasons much. you were a great guest was because of your honesty, your willingness to be vulnerable. You know, as you know as a recovery life coach, and I know as a recovery life coach, a family recovery life coach, vulnerability is something we share with our clients. We don't leave them out there to just tell us their life story and we pretend our lives are perfect or non-existent. We have lives, too, often affected by addiction. And uh, when you're willing to become vulnerable, you can really help people grow. Yeah, and, and BALM stands for Be a Loving Mirror. Why yes. is being a loving mirror so important? Being a loving mirror is actually, <laughs> it's a, life, it's a, a lifestyle. It, what it means is when you are a loving mirror, you're able to share the facts of what's really happening, first with yourself and then with your, your loved one in a non-threatening non-judgmental way. And it's important because, as we said before, denial's the linchpin of the addictive system. When you're willing to see the facts of your situation, tell yourself the truth, lose judgment, and share those facts with a loved one, your words go under the radar of their denial. And it's sort of heart-to-heart communication. And it I, makes a big difference. It, it, I've talked to interventionists who have told me that Be a Loving Mirror work is giving the family tools for many daily interventions. So often what happens is when it's time for the quote-unquote intervention, the interventionist is able to do a softer form of intervention because the loved one has sort of been prepared because the family's been telling them mm-hmm. the truth. It's not a big shock. Yep. You have your first hard copy book coming out, and I've got to say congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, be a Loving Mirror. When does that come out? Uh, I think it'll be out this spring. We're excited. We're in uh, production right now. And if somebody wanted to get a hold of Family Recovery Resources or your ebooks or this book when it comes out, what would be the best way to do that? Our website is www.familyrecoveryresources.com. And if you'd like more information, you can contact me at bbuncher at familyrecoveryresources.com. You can sign up for the Daily Balms through the website, or you may decide you want to also have coaching groups which are available. And all of this you can access through the website, and my phone number is on there. I'll be happy to speak with you. You can also contact our operations staff, um, E. Bryant at Family Recovery Resources is my operations manager. I want to switch gears here just a little bit for the end of the show. And the, you know, Christmas is coming up, the holidays are coming up, the new year. And often that can be a tough time for not only addicted individuals, but also the families that have to live through some of that uh, addiction. Do you have any advice for family members on how to get through the holidays? Yes, of course. 
first of all, you can go to the website and go to my blog. I have two full pages of tips for family members to get through the holidays. I know the first page of tips is up. The second page should be up uh, by the end of the day. There are lots of ways. Some involve focusing on yourself, nurturing yourself, planning the, the time in terms of finding times when you know you're going to be at meetings, you know that you're going to take a walk with a friend, you know that you're planning to get a massage or do something else that will be nurturing for you, so that if family times are less than wonderful, you still have things to look forward to in your own life that can be nurturing. Another thing is to remember that your loved one, as you said before, Jacob, is not a bad person that you need to make good. They are a sick person, hopefully, who will get well. And your job in their life is to love them, to love them fully and completely. That doesn't mean take care of them. That doesn't mean do things for them. It means advocate for their recovery. It means allow them to be who they are. And I have a really great tip for the holidays, folks. If you're having a hard time thinking about the idea of hanging out with a loved one who is so impaired that they aren't the person they used to be, before you see them, sit down, make a list of all the wonderful memories you have, all the great things about them, their best traits. Make that list. And think about it and feel the wonderful feeling. Now, the, the sadness might come up. If you need to cry, cry. And then allow the, the crying to subside and come back to the good and joyful feeling. And when you see them, bring up some of those wonderful memories. Share some of the great things. Let them know how much you love them. All of us only have one day at a time, this moment to live. We never know if the, the moment that we see our loved one is the last time we see them or one of many to come. Either way, when that moment is filled with love rather than criticism, it's a moment of joy and a moment creating another wonderful memory. You know, I, I loved what my guest last week said. If we make things more difficult for the individual, why do we ever think things will get better for them? Wow. <laughs> Beautiful. So, you know, and it is just so poignant, and it referred uh, to the judicial system and context, but it also can really refer back to the family. Um, you know, if yeah, enjoy your loved one; they are still your loved one. Have fun. Mm -hmm. Don't feel guilty about enjoying them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you love can them. <laughs> love the love the person you used to know. Fight the right. addict. You right, know, fight the addict and that inside. person will have a better chance of coming out again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a process. It's a change. You know, I, I tell people that, you know, uh, families that we all want our kids to get 100% on every exam and get straight A's in school, but recovery is not like that, you know, or it's just like that, that we can't always do 100%, but it's about movement in the right direction. It's about growing, learning Beautiful. how to find healthy recovery um, moving forward. So, and, and you certainly do that with the families. Where do you see, uh, where do you see family recovery resources heading in the future? Where, how are you going to grow? Beautiful. We have two foci at this, three foci at this point. We have our coaching, 
We're training family recovery life coaches, people who are already working with families, who are already life coaches, who are already recovery life coaches, who specifically want to focus on the family. We train them to be BALM family recovery coaches, and we have a course starting in February, of course. And that one-year program is a phenomenal way for us to fulfill our mission, which is to help all families blaze the trail to sobriety in the home. And we welcome people who are interested in working with us to make that happen. The other thing that we're starting to do now is we're going into treatment centers, and treatment centers are seeing our curriculum and realizing that it's a wonderful addition to the family work they already offer because the families can get to it 24-7, and it goes well with what the treatment center is teaching. We teach families how to be a partner in recovery with the treatment center. So we are starting to get into treatment centers. They are asking for us. They are having their, their, the family members of their clients sign up to be in the Daily Balm and the Seven Steps to Recovery program and in our coaching groups. And uh, that's awesome that I think it's such an important component. And I know when I work with a lot of treatment facilities, one of the things that I look for um, is not only the quality of care over that 30 days, but do they have a family component and an aftercare component also for not only the individuals, usually for aftercare, but for the families too. And it is so important for them uh, to find that help. We are getting to about the end of the show here. We have a couple minutes left. Do you have any final message for family members struggling with, or do you have any message, final message for family members struggling with a loved one's addiction? Yes. As long as there's life, there is hope. Don't give up on your loved one. Don't expect them to fail. Allow them to experience their life journey and expect them to recover. There are two kinds of expectation. One kind of expectation is, oh, I can't expect it again because I'll be so let down. That's a very self-centered form of expectation. Expectation in faith, on the other hand, is understanding that every person is growing on their spiritual journey. And so too is your loved one. We don't know when the light bulb will go on, but we can contribute to that light bulb going on by having the right attitude, the right frame of mind, and learning how to be a loving mirror and make a difference in our loved one's lives. And real quick again, if somebody wants to be um, a daily bomb uh, coach or wants to get into the program, uh, again, how could they find that information? They can go to www.familyrecoveryresources.com and throughout the website you can fill out the forms that invite you to have a free consult and we'll be happy to talk with you and share everything about the programs. You can call us for more information. You can get on the site and register for different programs. The coach training, we will have to interview you, but we would love to talk to people. We are looking for people who want to help us fulfill our mission, which is to help all families blaze the trail to sobriety in the home. If you feel called to that, please call us and let's start to talk. 
Yeah, and and I have to say that you know I, I went on the website, looked through the pricing. It is very very reasonable for a year long course for uh, families to do this to get daily help over the course of a year. I think it's just fantastic what you're doing. Thank you so much. So we have about another minute here. Um, what else can we touch on just briefly? What else do the listeners need to know before I got to close? You know, having a loved one who's addicted can be devastating. You have all the hopes and dreams of a lifetime that you had wanted for them. If you're married to them, you see other families having quote-unquote normal lives, and you're wondering, will that ever happen for you? We each are on a spiritual journey. The lessons that you are learning from this experience can be lessons of bitterness or lessons of love, peace, and joy. Our seventh C, you are always at choice, is never more true than when it comes to having a loved one who is addicted. And we're going to have the only person who can make yourself happy. Join us and we'll help you do that. And that's fan. If you want to learn a little bit more, I certainly encourage you to go out and check out that site. Beverly, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Jacob. And that's about all the time we have. Uh, So please join us next week uh, for another hour of fantastic guests. uh, And have a great week and enjoy life. you for listening to I Took the High Road. Please join Jacob Jansen for another encouraging hour next Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll see you next week.